Welcome to the Human Reboot with me, Emma Last. We have uplifting, inspiring and diverse reboot stories from people sharing the courageous, honest, authentic and sometimes difficult life lessons. The Human Reboot will provide proven mentally flourishing formulas and practical tips to help you to live life to the full, giving you direction and hope. Make your mental fitness and well-being a daily priority. Learn to pause so that you can get clear and perform at your best. Switch off to switch on. It's time for your human reboot. On the Human Reboot podcast today, I have Joe Howarth. Joe is an inspirational speaker, advanced hypnotherapist, mindfulness practitioner, and best-selling author of four books. And in 2017, she won two national awards for her work in the Happiness Club. And in 2020, she was runner-up for the Northwest Entrepreneur of the Year, and she was the only female finalist. She's here today to share her story, but myself and Joe have got something in common. And we've actually worked on a project together. We are both co-authors of the book that is launching in the middle of July called My 2020. So we're going to tell you a little bit more about that. So welcome, Jo. Thank you so much for having me on. You are very welcome. So would you tell us a little bit about your mission? I would. My mission is to spread happiness as far and wide as humanly possible. I talk to people about world domination and that normally makes them giggle and I'm being deadly serious. Uh, <laughs> I, I have a mission to make people aware that happiness is possible in every single moment of every single day, regardless of what's going on around you. It's absolutely possible for every single one of us as well. There are no exceptions. It is available and ready for anybody that wants to experience it and is open to experiencing it. That would be my mission. Fabulous. So I am going to ask you about your reboot story. Okay, so I've had several reboots throughout my life. I'm lot older than I look. And um, my main reboot was when I was 25 years old. I'd had an interesting childhood, shall we say, sometimes challenging, sometimes happy, sometimes turbulent. But when I was 25, my biological dad dropped dead of a heart attack. Out of the blue, no signs, no symptoms, no rhyme, no reason, no nothing. He just was there one day and gone the next. My parents had split when I was little. So he'd been part of my life. And yeah, he was he was just not there, which is the most bizarre. If you've ever lost someone that you're close to, if you have ever lost someone suddenly, it is a bizarre, surreal experience to realise that you're never going to see or speak to that person again. But at the age of 25, obviously, it was one of the things I least expected. You kind of, mm-hmm. <laughs> I've learned since that, you can't really expect anything from life. It is what it is and it happens when it happens. But at the age of 25, when you yourself feel like you're invincible, you don't expect to lose a parent at that age. 
And so for me, it was an enormous wake up call. It was the biggest slap round the face that the universe has ever delivered to me, I think. Up to that point, I had literally been living my life on autopilot, just putting up with whatever got thrown at me, not realising that I had any power in my own life, that I had any responsibility in my own life, that it was possible for me to be in charge of what I did and what, what I said and how I felt and didn't know any of that was even a possibility. Life was largely crappy and that was just how it was. But when my dad passed away, it really made me look at what I was doing, how I was living, what I wanted to do, what I, how I wanted to live. Um, and I realised that I was just drifting along aimlessly. His death sent me to therapy, which up to that point I thought was the biggest load of bunkum you could ever have I just thought you just needed to pull your socks up and get on with whatever life threw at you and you know it was going to throw stuff at you and tough bananas kind of thing get on with it bury whatever you need to bury ignore the emotions and you know carry on that's how I lived and yeah his passing sent me to therapy which changed my life completely transformed showed me what was possible, showed me that it was possible to think good things about yourself, <laughs> not just rubbish things about yourself, not just rubbish things about the world either. Good things about the world was possible too. It was a total revelation to me and set me on the path to the work that I do now. I'm a therapist because therapy changed my life, transformed it completely. So what type of therapy was that? So that was, um, so it was a mix of counselling and hypnotherapy. And so that's 10 years later, I then trained to become a hypnotherapist, which is the main tool of my trade now. I'm an advanced hypnotherapist. And while I was studying to become a hypnotherapist, I trained with my hypnotherapist. He, he was my therapist and my trainer. He's also a, a, an adopted member of my family these days. But <laughs> while I was training in hypnotherapy, I discovered mindfulness, which sounded like the simplest thing that was ever created. I couldn't understand why everyone was so excited about it. Because for me, I was like, well, surely that's just what I do already. It's just about awareness. And, you know, that's, you know, that's obvious stuff, isn't it? I couldn't work out. I studied it out of pure curiosity because I couldn't understand why everyone was making such a big fuss about it. And um, it blew my mind. I, I genuinely felt like someone had found a second pair of eyelids and opened them. And I suddenly went, oh, oh, I get it now. OK, this is what it's all about. This is what life is. This is how you can be. And this is how you can see things. And and I felt like I'd already been through that transformation 10 years before. And then I went through it all over again on a deeper level when I when I found mindfulness, which is why then now I use the mix of those two practices in, in pretty much all the work I do. Fabulous. So what part of mindfulness do you think opened your eyes the most? For me, it was the awareness. So mindfulness, the, the, the essence of mindfulness is to is to be exactly where you are in this moment, whatever's happening, to be here, to be present. And the way that you achieve that, and we don't all always achieve that all the time, obviously, we get caught up in the automaticness, that's not a word, of life still. But the way that you achieve that is through raising your conscious awareness 
of every thought, every feeling, every emotion, every behavior, every response. I have a, a catchphrase that I use where I say to people, for me, awareness is the key to life, the universe and everything. The more aware you are of all of those things, the more you are aware of your thoughts, your feelings, your emotions, your behaviors, your responses, your reactions, the world around you, the people around you, your place in that world, the more aware you are of all of those things, the more in charge you can be of all of those things, the more choices you give yourself, the more opportunities you open up for yourself, the more understanding you gain, the more growth you experience, just simply through that starting point of being more aware. That's really interesting. So I have a list of key learns of my life. Okay. And one of those is self-awareness. Yeah, it's huge. Um, and it's the starting point for everything. Yeah, absolutely. 100%. Yeah. So it's something that I talk about quite a lot is that, you know, I was always aware of how you should behave and and how you should be to be able to be successful, you know, in a corporate career, for example. And, you know, what was expected. I didn't always behave in the way that I should have because we're all human. But actually stepping back and I was aware of what we needed to do within that business to be successful but then when I stepped back it was like hmm, awareness of my needs needs to start to come first yeah and I think that's huge and that's one of my key messages uh, I I devised and created a, a small group program for women I don't normally um, differentiate I don't normally say my work is for men or for women but this group program is for women because in, in my experience as as a woman myself we very 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 much tend to put ourselves on the back burner and put everybody else first and prioritize everybody else above ourselves and I was seeing this a lot in a lot of the happiness club members you know we have a real mix of of genders in the happiness club but I was seeing it a lot in the female members of the happiness club they were really struggling to prioritize their own self-care and their own uh, well-being over their children or their husbands or their partners or their families or their everybody else in the entire world was more important than them and it really inspired me to put this program together which I call the love yourself first experience because I think that's absolutely where we have to start we have to start with ourselves and people say to me oh but that's really selfish and I say no well it is but that's only a negative thing if you think the word selfish is negative we've given the word selfish this huge negative connotation but actually if you look at it as a word selfish it just means of the self in and of itself, it doesn't have a negative connotation. We've given it one. We've said that being selfish is wrong, but actually it's absolutely right. And we should all be yeah. more selfish. We need to start with ourselves. When you put yourself first, when you look after your needs, your boundaries, your values, when you adhere to what you believe is important in life and what you need as a human being to live yeah. the life you want to live, then that spreads out from you to everybody around you. It gives you the energy and the headspace and the care and the love to take care of the other people around you. But when you start with the other people around you, what you do is drain your energy, drain your headspace, drain your love. It has to start with you. That's absolutely where it needs to start. 
I wrote an article um, earlier this year for a magazine and I did a talk on International Women's Day all about putting your oxygen mask on first. So that real theory around making sure that you give yourself some oxygen first so that you can help those people around you, just like you would do if you're on a plane when we're allowed on a plane again. (laughs) Um, And it's really interesting because a lot of the work I do is on healthy boundaries with people as well and really working out what the vision is of their life that they want and then working out what those healthy boundaries are so that we can then look at actually how we can make that work who do we need to communicate to to make that happen and also in this creation of the life that we want all the kind of how do we manage the stress and our emotions and things like that it all ties in together doesn't it one big road to happiness yeah well it is that's it I mean there's such a lot of talk these days isn't there about self-care and everyone bangs on about self-care and a lot of people think self-care is a warm bath which it absolutely can be but for me boundaries are the absolute epitome of self-care that is what self-care is is having those boundaries knowing what the boundaries are for you as a person not for anyone else for you and your boundaries don't have to be the same as anybody else's your boundaries knowing what they are and then upholding them and that takes a degree upholding them takes a degree of confidence and a level of self-esteem and a belief in your worthiness and there's so much underneath that work it, yeah it's the absolute yeah it's key it's absolutely key yeah definitely and what a, a lovely path that you've had to that But I'd like to know about your 2020 reboot and all about the story that you've written in your chapter in the book. So my chapter obviously is about my 2020. And I love the idea of the book, the idea that it's this collection of different experiences, different people from different walks of life who've all had a different experience during that most bizarre of years that I think any of us will ever have experienced. My chapter focuses on two key things and actually in those two areas of my life I experienced a reboot in both of them. The first was in my business so up until March 2020 I got about 90% of my business income from speaking and training and it all disappeared overnight. Literally I had bookings in the diary that just fell away so I lost I lost about 90% of my business income. I know that feeling. Yeah. Within a <laughs> Mine week. was the same. I'd been working towards delivering a course in London that was we'd been promoting for probably six months. And the week where the announcement went out, so it was the Monday night was the announcement in that week. I was supposed to be doing Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, I think, in London. And I just sat there and thought, I'm going to lose all of that. And there was so much going on as well with school. You know, I'm a governor of a school. And then I was thinking about the at-risk people within the school. I needed to go and speak to the head teacher, see what support she needed. You know, so that Tuesday morning after that announcement, I went and spoke to them. And, you know, they were just, they were so scared. They were so scared. The teachers were petrified she'd already actioned you know other people 
being sent home that were more at risk and working from home. So it was about four people in the school. So she'd already done that. But I remember going back to the car that morning and I drove home and I just... So the, that that whole revenue that probably would have kept me going for three months was gone. And then that whole safety thing, what was going to happen, just all the unknown. I just got back to the car and I just literally, it was like a tap that was turned on. It was such a massive shock to the system, wasn't it? It literally, it didn't really hit me to start with because I have two kids and um, so my focus to start with was completely on them. They got sent home from school on the Friday before we went into lockdown. So my focus was already on them and the fact that they weren't going back to school. We already knew that before we went into lockdown and w- how I was going to care for them and what they were going to experience and all of that. So it didn't hit me immediately. But then it became apparent that obviously these bookings were coming out of my diary now that I hadn't been paid for yet that were future income and then it hit me that actually I wasn't going to get any new business either because nobody was going to book me I was like oh my word what 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 am I going to do here because literally my business just disappeared before my eyes and it was just it was uh, and obviously then there were all the the uh, government support, the financial support, none of which I qualified for because I'm the sole yeah. director of a limited company. So I completely fell through the gaps of any of the financial support, apart from then when they introduced the bounce back loan, which then my bank, who I no longer bank with and shall remain nameless, <laughs> uh, utterly utterly cocked up so I couldn't get a bounce back loan it took me about two months to get a bounce back loan because of some ridiculous glitch in my bank's system and so I literally I was in May 2020 that was it I was closing my business I was going to have to close because there was just nothing and I posted in a Facebook group that I'm a member of where I trust the other women as a women's business group and quite a small group and I posted in there to say well well ladies this is it next chapter because I don't know what I'm going to do next because I'm going to have to close my business and I got a message from one of the ladies who I've known for a few years basically bless her cotton she runs of two very successful businesses and um, she messaged me to say this isn't happening. You are not closing your business. The work you do is way too important. I'm not letting you close your business. Tell me how much you need. Bless her. And within, within hours, I had money in the bank, to which tidied me over until my bounce back loan came through. But without that, I would have my business would have been gone. So eternally grateful to that wonderful lady who knows who she is and yeah so once once the bounce back loan then the work was what do I do now I've got some money to tide me over to allow me to rebuild so what do I do and I realized that the happiness club which is my membership club which is the name of the company but actually wasn't the core of the business I worked with a business coach once who said to me, you know, the club's like this floppy little thing on the side of your business. You don't really pay it enough attention. And um, and I realised that I hadn't been paying it enough attention. And so I put my full focus on the club. And between September and March of this year, 
September 2020 and March this year, we trebled the membership numbers of the Happiness Club. Brilliant. So I actually ended 2020 business-wise with more clarity, more focus, and in a stronger financial position than when I started 2020. So that's about as rebooty as you can get, really, isn't it? It Literally, within the space of six months, I, I flipped the the entire focus of the business around. I worked my little butt off um, mm. to recruit individual members. And I absolutely love that the club is now the main focus of the business, which is what it should have been for years and wasn't. So that was one, that was my business reboot. And then in my personal life, actually, I realized my biggest realization was how much I was away from home before. I always prided myself on building my business around my children. I was always there for school drop-off and nine times out of 10, I was there for school pickup. Sometimes I missed the odd one, but I was really, you know, I was a very hands-on mummy. But I realized that actually those five days a week that I had to work during school hours, of those five days, I was out of my house for at least four of them, if not five of them. So I literally dropped them at school, went, did some training, ran, spoke at an event, da da da. I would spend my life traveling up and down motorways. And sometimes I wouldn't get back in time for the school pickup because I was stuck on a motorway or whatever. And I re it really came home to me when we couldn't go anywhere, how much I had been running around like a headless chicken whilst promoting to other people not to run around like headless chickens and to have that time at home with my girls with my husband was just beautiful to have that time to do the work to concentrate on the work I wanted to do and still have endless hours to sit in my garden in the sun because it was the most gorgeous summer ever and it really made me go, oh, now I need to make some promises to myself here. I need to promise that when the world goes back to whatever we go back to, when it opens up again, I am not going to become that headless chicken again. I am absolutely going to stay in my environment with the people that I love more than life itself and be there for them and be there for myself. I actually sat in my garden one day and wrote a list of commitments out to myself for when the world opens back up. I'm flipping it around. I'll be home four days a week and out one, and that's it. And I will be here for every single thing that I need to be here for. And I will make sure I have time to sit in the garden and do absolutely nothing every single day. And all these things that I teach that I thought I was doing but until I stopped living that way, I didn't realise I wasn't fully doing. I don't know if that makes sense. Yeah, it does. I get you. Absolutely. I think it's difficult, isn't it, when you when you run your own business? It's difficult trying to get the balance right because often we are, you know, and these are very much the people that listen to this podcast, we are difference makers. You know, we are passionate we believe in something, you know, we are on a mission. And sometimes it's hard to stop, turn that mission off and switch off. It is. And it becomes because what I do is part of who I am. It's not a job that I go to. It's it's part of who I am as a person. It's part of me. So it's really hard to switch off that 
thinking about work and just, oh, I'll just check that email or I'll just tweak this thing or I'll just do that. And I've become a lot stricter with myself in terms of that kind of thing. You know, silly things like I realised how much time I was spending on my phone. I mean, they're mini computers, aren't they? They are the most amazing things. But oh, my word, I lived on my phone. And my girls would say to me, "Mummy, you're always on your phone. And I was like, yeah, but that's because it's I'm not I'm not playing a game. I'm running my business here. And for me, that made it justifiable, which at all, you know, it's not. (laughs) Yeah, I've still got work to do on that. Oh, God, me too. I try my best. Yeah. But also my dog, she is really interesting because if if I go, as soon as I go and out of my office and at whatever time I sit down, because sometimes that is not till late because we're doing stuff with the kids or whatever. So literally whatever time I sit down, she jumps on me straight away literally she's on me like kissing me to death and if I ever pick up my phone in my hand she's like she's like she licks me so it's like no I want your attention put it down (laughs) so uh yeah yeah I don't want my husband to want to do that (laughs) just so that he can get attention But anyway, so um, it's really interesting. I find it really interesting that you kind of, you focus on your kids first and then your business. It hit me really quickly about my business, especially when I'd done a lot of work for one client and they owed me a lot of money. And I phoned up and said, you know, it was due for payment last month. And um, they said, oh, well, I'm really sorry. We're going to have to work out if we can pay our staff first before we pay you. And then I was just like, hang on a minute, I've got kids to feed as well. So in the same week, it was like, right, I'm not going to get that massive chunk of money and I'm not going to. And as much as for me, you know, in my mind, everything I do isn't, my driver isn't the money. My driver is about the mission that I'm on to help people live healthier, more mentally fit and happier lives, just, you know, just like you. And that's everything I stand for. But obviously when you're in a situation where you're like, hmm, might not be able to put food on the table if, if I don't change something quite quickly. But luckily I had a course running the week after and I thought, Do you know what? I'm going to go back to them and suggest that I'll try it on Zoom because I'd coached quite a lot of people on Zoom. I still have face-to-face clients, but I also use Zoom. So I had used it. So I thought, oh, can I do sure I can do it you'll be fine so that week after I did um a full day on zoom um it was two half day like training sessions that I did so that was like oh actually I can make this work what else can I then shift and also like you I'd always since September October 2019 I'd had the idea of the concept of the human reboot and wanted a group program or a membership So it was like, right, well, I need to hurry up and get on with that because I've got the name and I've got the idea and I know what I'm doing. But then the hardest thing for me was actually working out what is it that needs to be in that programme and what do I want it to be? And so I remember one day that I was sat there with one of my friends that I used to work with and I was talking through how I coach clients one-to-one 
And she said, well, what direction do you go in now? And I was like, well, it depends. If they say this, I do this. If they do that, I do that. If they do that, I do that. So literally it was like putting all these different modules that I would have to write um, for this program in it. And then by sort of June, July time, that's when we launched the, the first intake of the Human Reboot. So like you, a lot of work. I converted my training, a lot of my training to Zoom and numbers were obviously affected in terms of, you know, people willing to transition to Zoom or, but it was just, you know, a case of, right, this is an online world now. How am I going to make that shift? But for us, we didn't get as much time together as a lot of families did because my other half works in retail So he's an artist, but he works in retail. So both of us, so me in a position where I had to shift my business and him in a position where actually he was out at work, working nearly every single day because they had so many people isolating. And then, well, the only place that people could shop was um, in supermarkets. They needed more staff. They'd furloughed loads of staff as well because he works for um, a retailer that has food and clothing. But he works in operations, so it was like he'd never been busier than he had in in his life. We were quite safe in the house, you know. It was like we're all right, you know, we're okay. I was worried about my mum and dad. So I'd go and get them shopping and drop that off and things like that, you know, and we'd go for our daily walks. But often he was just, he was working longer hours and I'd look out and look around me and be like thinking, all these people who were furloughed, my first instant reaction when they announced furlough, I was like, no, that's the worst thing that you can ever do for people's mental health. Why are you doing that? You're going to isolate them from from their work community. You're taking away their purpose. We need to find a way that it was just like, for me, it was like you're cutting off something that could have such a negative effect on people. But I think because of the weather, people were able to take advantage of that and the walks and the pause of life and things. So... I suppose it was twofold. And also that worry sort of every month, are the business going to be able to afford to keep me on again, you know, from people that, you know, were followed. But for me, that was, that couldn't be furloughed and had no financial support. It was just a bit like, hmm. It was, it's difficult, isn't it? It's uh, one of the pieces of advice I got from a businessy lady can't remember who she was but anyway she said to me well you you know if I was you I would furlough yourself because I said I fell through the cracks of the financial support and she said well you need to furlough yourself and then you'll get your your wage through and I said but the work I do is supporting people with their mental health every single day that's what the happiness club does I can't just go okay well to look after myself and make sure I've got a wage I'm just going to leave you lot hanging. <laughs> I mean? It's like, no, yeah. that's not happening yeah. in a blue fit. Yeah. There's no way that I can just leave this amazing group of people that trust me and depend on me for support. I can't just walk away from them. That's like, that's the, the antithesis of what I'm about and what I do and why I do what I do. It's, you know, so yeah. it was, it's really difficult, isn't it? It's the furlough thing. I had friends who were furloughed. 
And some of them were firmly in the camp of this is the best thing that's yeah. ever happened because yeah. I've got time with my family in the sun, in the garden. It's just, I don't have to go to work. It's awesome. And then there were those that were like, no, this is awful. I'm totally, like you say, totally isolated, totally away from everything that gives me purpose and fulfills me and just horrible. It's the, um, the range of reactions and yeah. effects was huge well yeah. it is still yeah. huge isn't it? it is and I think it's that balance really isn't it it's being able to you know what I would do is I'd try and work sort of up until like three or four o'clock and then we'd go for a walk or when we could go a bit further we'd go to the beach or whatever and we do we try and do things together but having three children well twins that are well they were 13 at the time and uh, my youngest was 10 in his final year of primary. So that was challenging. But then the second part, you know, as we, when they went transition back to school, I think that was easier than I thought it would be. I think all children all go through times where they find transition difficult, don't they? But they kind of transition back to normal life. But my chapter of 2020 is not written, I don't think, like anybody else's in the book. Mine is just literally excerpts from my journals. So it's like a diary. So some of it is like really nice journaly things. So I wrote a letter to my kids in my journal. It is like my journey throughout the year, but it's also like things that I remember, you know, and things that I wrote down where on one of the days when it was really difficult because there was like no toilet roll and stuff like that at the beginning was there and I remember someone saying now we've got a use for our odd socks <laughs> well odd socks in my house we have you know I've got boys I've got hundreds of the bleeding things so <laughs> it was just like well every cloud has a silver lining isn't it you know it's just we need to think differently about how we're going to solve this situation so yeah there's lots of little little snippets and things like that. I suppose as we came out of summer and we got closer to Christmas, I did probably like the last 10 days of 2020, I really worked on gratitude. So I just did the things that I was grateful for. And when I wrote the chapter, because we it was like, yeah, you're fine. Just keep it under 3,000 words. Well, because I'd ri- I didn't realise that I'd written so much last year and how much it had helped me. When I had actually pulled everything out and typed it all up and really looked at it all and made it into a chapter, it was 15,000 words. Oh, my word. You could have done your own book. Well, that's what Jess said. (laughs) So I had to strip it back. So it's might a bit more than 3,000 words, but it's definitely not 15. But there might be a book at one point. There might be a book at one point in the future. But it's it's about showing that journey, isn't it? It's about showing that arc as well and the different the different bits. And the, the thing that's coming across to me listening to you talk is, and this is absolutely was my experience too, is the number of things that the whole experience, the amount of space that it created for new stuff to come through you know like you're you're talking about your human reboot program and the fact that it had been on your back burner forever with me with the club it had been on my back burner to grow the club and actually what that that first lockdown experience did was give us both the space to create those things yeah we 
potentially if that hadn't happened I would never have turned my focus on the club properly you may never have created your program so yeah for me and again on a personal level it created space for you know you to come up with new solutions to things and new ways of doing stuff and new ways of looking at things because you had to because we're presented with this thing that we can't do in the normal way anymore so how are we going to do it and so for me when you look at things in that way as the opportunity you know what what's this giving me the opportunity to do I did a lot of Facebook lives towards the beginning of it where I spoke about you know this is giving me the chance to reassess every freaking element of my life from the most basic absolutely look at and reevaluate every single part of my life and check is this how I want it to be is this what I want to be doing is this how I want to be living and I had that time and space to do that which I don't know that I ever would have got in any other way yeah absolutely and um you know many people had you know, I've done loads of things to the houses and have beautiful gardens. That's one of my, I remember one, one of the, uh, one, of, one of the entries is like, our house looks like the poor relation because both of us have been working when everybody else have got like these amazing gardens. And I mean, our garden is full of green at the back, but the front, it was just like, oh, oh, you've painted that, have you? Oh, you're having that done, are you? It's like, we don't have time to think about that never mind anything else but yeah it's um it's definitely been a period of time where you could really take stock and I won't be traveling as much as I was before either my traveling was cut back a lot more from where it was sort of four or five years ago so I've always been conscious of that but yeah if I can get away with it I'd rather be I'd rather be closer to home well, and like you say, towards the summer and into the into the autumn and winter, then we started delivering our workshops via Zoom online. So now I know that's possible and I know it works. And so obviously I've done it for quite a few clients. So that training side of my work is starting to come back. Well, has been back for a while. But I would never have dreamt of suggesting to a client in London, say, you know, I would have spent the day traveling to London, running the workshop and traveling home again. Well, now I know I can do it on Zoom and I know it has the same impact and the same effect as if I'm there in person. So now, do you know what? Actually, I'm not going to travel. I'm not going to spend half my day traveling to come deliver a workshop for you. I can do it from the comfort of my home. I can do it very well. Your people will get the same impact. So let's do that. And I think that's, again, part of that opportunity, isn't it? Is companies have realized that it's possible to deliver things in a different way, to work in a different way. Absolutely. So it wouldn't be right for you to come on the Human Reboot and for me not to ask you, how do you switch off so you can switch on and perform at your best? So my favourite way to switch off is meditation. I start my day with meditation. I do little pockets of meditation throughout my day. I think one of the most popular misconceptions about meditation is that you have to do it for five hours a day and become a Buddhist monk and you don't. I meditate in one minute, literally anything that absorbs your full attention for more than about 10 seconds is meditation. So I just take regular slots throughout my day, sit somewhere comfortably, close my eyes, 
focus on my breath for one minute, two minutes, three minutes, whatever I need, open my eyes and carry on with what I'm doing. It's the simplest, most beautiful way to reset that I've ever, ever come across. And if you've got a certain watch, it even tells you when you should be doing it now, doesn't it? (laughs) (laughs) Yes, I believe I don't have the certain watch, but yes, a few of my clients have said, oh yeah, my watch tells me to do that. And do do it when your watch tells you to do it? Well, no. Well, would you like to? (laughs) Yes, okay. (laughs) Yes, definitely. And what, I mean, what something I found really interesting this year was when I was talking to um, somebody that does hypnotherapy and they were talking about some of the misconceptions around hypnotherapy and they were just saying it that really it's just a really deep form of relaxation yeah when I'd qualified as a hypnotherapist we were heavily invited back to help out on future courses as graduates and I went to one of these courses to help out and there was a lady on the course who meditated for England she spent half a day meditating and she said to the guy running the course can you tell me what the difference is what's the difference between meditation and hypnosis and he said to her meditation is an altered state of mind where it's possible to achieve a deep state of relaxation where you wait for something to happen hypnosis is an altered state of mind where it's possible to achieve a deep state of relaxation where you make something happen and that's the difference for me that's why I use the two because meditation is about just seeing what happens and seeing what's flowing through you and being aware and hypnosis is about proactively making some changes making something different brilliant And what about your flourishing formula for living? What would you share with our listeners to help them on their journeys? Oh, so many things. Um, I think two key things as a flourishing formula for living. I like that. Um, First is rest, 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 rest and rest, then rest some more. Uh, we don't rest, we don't relax, we are doers, we do, 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 we have to be busy. We, and again, I think that's something that the last year to 18 months has hammered home for lots of people. We think we have to be busy and keep going and do stuff and do and do and do. And then we break and we wonder why we break. And it's because we're not resting in between. I just said I pepper my day with one, two, three minutes of stopping and resetting and refreshing and resting. It's all about resting. It's unbelievably vital. It's vital for your health and well-being to make sure you relax and rest as much as you can. It's not nicety. It's not a luxury. It's something that you have to do. So rest. And the second one would be appreciation. Appreciate the hell out of absolutely everything. Practice gratitude, practice appreciation. They are slightly different things, but they both will feed your soul, feed your heart, fill you with love, remind you that there are just a billion amazing things in this world and in your life that you're walking past with blinkers on every day and not paying any attention to. Stop and pay attention to all of that stuff. The simplest, simplest things like that cup of tea you're having or the lick that your dog is giving you on your face because that's pure love. That is pure love. And when you realise that, that lick becomes the most amazing thing that ever happened to you instead of something annoying that your dog's trying to do to you. Do you see what I mean? it's appreciation is the absolute be all and end all in my in my humble opinion 
Yeah, I do appreciate the licks, just not at like five o'clock in the morning. (laughs) She was really well trained. You know, when I say was, she used to sleep downstairs until we went into lockdown. But then as things started to open up again and people started to go out to work, she literally would bark the house down because she got so used to quiet. And it was not like we live in a cul-de-sac. It's not like it's busy, but literally she'd just go mad. So it was just like, oh... Oh, let her upstairs. Looking <laughs> for an easy life, yeah. <laughs> like the kids, isn't it? Yeah. Once you cross the boundary, that's it. <laughs> Need to talk to the dog about healthy boundaries. <laughs> so, what about any books or communities or anything that have helped you? Oh my word, so many. So many, so many. I think one of the key books that I read many years ago that helped me and facilitated my path on my mindfulness journey, actually, is a book called The Power of Now um, by Eckhart. And I do not know how you pronounce his surname. Eckhart Toll, Tolly, don't know. T-O-L-L-E, one of the most amazing books ever. The other book that I would heartily recommend is Ask and It Is Given by Esther and Jerry Hicks. That's all about the universe and how the universe works and how happiness and joy and love are our birthright, our natural state of being available to all of us whenever we want them. If we know how to access them. Mm, Ask and it will be given. Oh, it is given. It is given. Okay. Okay. I've not read that one. Yeah. Best get onto that. Good. I'll, uh, I'll add that to our book club list, actually. Oh, yes, do that. <laughs> so if anyone wants to get in touch with you, how are they best to do that? They're probably best through the website, which is thehappinessclub.co.uk. You can drop me an email, joe, J-O, at thehappinessclub.co.uk. And I am on pretty much every social media platform going as Joe Happiness Howarth. So you can search me up on Facebook and LinkedIn, Instagram. I'm all over the shop. Fabulous. And of course, don't forget to check out our book. It will be available on Amazon. Yes. Middle of July, I believe it's launching, isn't it? Yes. As we speak, we are recording now, but it should be this week. So we will pop it in the show notes um, so that you will know where to be able to find that book. And I hope you can take some key learns from that just like um, we've taken some real learns from 2020. Brilliant. Thank you so much for joining me today, Jo. Thank you so much for having me on. It's been ace. Thank you for listening to the Human Reboot podcast. I'm Emma Last. And if you've enjoyed this episode, please leave me a five-star podcast review and visit thehumanrebootmovement.com where you can find downloadable free resources, sign up to my mailing list or connect with me on social. So that's the humanrebootmovement.com. Let's switch off so we can switch on. It's time for your human reboot.